Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Educate an Idiot. I'm Mark. And I'm Bo. And today we're going to talk about some... We're going to start with the basics. We're going to start with, you know, what's a liberal... Uh, what's a conservative, what is the right, alt-right, what is the radical left, all that. And so we'll start there, we'll start super basic, and try to build an education from that for someone that doesn't know anything about this kind of thing, which is primarily me in the case, Um, and maybe for you too. Uh, So we'll start off with what's a liberal and what's a conservative. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is an important conversation to have because I, there are a lot of people who really are kind of confused on this. And that that goes back to almost like civics 101 in high school. But when you think of liberal versus conservative, you typically throw out the words left and right. Right. You know, so kind of think of that as like a spectrum, like a number line. If you remember number lines. And so when you move further to the left on this number line, you're more liberal. And when you move further to the right, you're more conservative. Now where it gets a little tricky is what does that number line actually represent? Because it can be a lot of different things. (laughs) So, so specifically talking like society and culture and how, how much role does the government need to play in your personal life if you're more to the left and that you don't want the government to dictate what your daily life looks like then you're more liberal in a base sort of idea or and then as you move further to the right then it's more conservative and but even that is really kind of loose. <laughs> there are a lot of different factors that come into play, but the biggest one you can think of is, uh, you know, like gay marriage, same-sex marriage. People on the left say things like, you know, the government shouldn't decide who I marry. And people on the right say, well, the government should define what marriage is and uh, try to define it as between one man and one woman. So... That is kind of the general civics 101 breakdown of it. Does does religion play a big part in the, uh, you know, the right wing or the left wing uh, beliefs? A lot, yeah. So it does. Uh, in recent years, you've seen a lot of the uh, the religious left come back around, which that was a that was a thing that existed. Think of like Jimmy Carter in the 70s, but. Really, after Jimmy Carter, that kind of fell away, and religion became the thing of the right. So conservatives typically value religion quite a bit more than people who are on the left, and they'll base their uh, their political leanings on what they consider to be religiously moral. Yes, I mean, like, that plays in the same-sex marriage, the... Uh, you know, abortion's a hot topic with that. And, there, you know, there's a lot of other things that, 
you know, morals come into play, but then it's based on religious belief. Right. Yeah. And so what's actually kind of, I guess not funny, but funny about that is so conservatives, when they, when you actually consider what they actually vote for in terms of like power of the government, they typically value smaller governments. Like they'll give more power over to states or local before they want federal government to do anything. But then you mentioned abortion and <laughs> right-wing politicians are always in a Congress talking about abortion and what the federal government needs to do about it. When, you know, they turn around and say, oh, well, the federal government doesn't need to get involved in these issues like marijuana legalization or same-sex marriage, to go back to the first example, because they, uh, they believe that the state governments can enact more moral policies. So that's what I was talking about. It gets really, there are just so many factors that you have to consider with what makes a person right versus left. And it's not necessarily like, you know, being on the left makes you a good person or being on the, you know, the far right makes you a good person. It's just a different belief system, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of reject the idea that there is even such a thing as like the good person, right? Like there's one example of morality that people should follow. Well, morality is relative is the problem, right? Right. Yeah, that's the big problem. And that's that leads me into a good point uh, that most of the debate that you see between the major parties is based on their sense of morality. And it's not that, like you said, it's not that one side's morality is better or worse. It's that they're just completely different. And there's not really a ton of ground in the middle anymore. Uh, so I have in front of me a, a very good book if people are interested in learning more about how morality plays into these political parties. And it's called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. Uh, so I like the moral reasoning behind the parties. I'll go into that in just a second. I want to say first that uh, Jonathan Haidt, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says. That's, you know, that's the beautiful thing about reading, reading for yourself and seeing, you know, what you can pick up on as that you may have a different take than somebody and that's okay. But his moral definitions of the, of the two main parties are pretty spot on, I think. So we defined, uh, the right wing, the right wing party as the more religious, right? The more, uh, the more moral right? The ones who believe that their, uh, their religiosity is more important to their, to their political leanings. That sounds like a, that sounds like a shooter game or something <laughs> where you play as a priest and you're shooting at zombies or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with, actually, I don't play very many video games. So <laughs> anyway, sorry to get you off track. No, you're good, man. But, but yeah, so the religious right, you know, they're you're right. They're the ones that uh, they're, they're going around shooting the zombies and stuff. <laughs> they're fighting all these ills they see in society. And I, personally, I think a lot of that may be imagined, but we can get into that a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> so what Jonathan Haidt breaks down with morality is that there are six main moral factors 
and he has uh, a lot they're broken down into principles that are think of it like two sides to one coin so the first principle is care versus harm so you have a large uh you have placed more importance on caring for people versus harming for people or say liberty versus oppression. You want more freedom versus uh, you want more people to be oppressed or you want to remove oppression from yourself. Uh, then there's fairness versus cheating, loyalty versus betrayal, which those two I think kind of go hand in hand. But basically you know, we uh, we look at people who cheat as being unfair. And what's interesting is the definitions of what cheating is vary incredibly between the two parties. But <laughs> then <Yeah>. further, <laughs> further on, you have authority versus subversion, which I think that's the hardest one to kind of wrap my mind around, which this is where I get a little bit lost for Jonathan Haidt because he gets a little too academic -y. <laughs> but yeah and then the last one is sanctity versus degradation and that plays into what we were talking about with like religion uh so the religious right will value sanctity and you hear that you heard that term with the sanctity of marriage you know marriage was a holy thing that had to be protected if you didn't protect it then it would be degraded and so that's what they mean, mean by sanctity. So the really interesting thing that you see here, though, is that for those six factors, the conservatives or the right side of the spectrum actually care equally for everything. So <laughs> there's not one factor that really stands out. You know, they, they really cast their net pretty wide with <laughs> what they care about. And I mean... I guess full disclosure, I'm not socially conservative. Uh, and so I, I try to think really hard about like what it would take to be socially conservative. And honestly, it just feels exhausting. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot to keep up with, I'd say. <laughs> right. It's just there's so many things that you, you care so much about. It's I don't know. And not that that's a bad thing. You know, there are explanations for things I could understand, but specifically like authority versus subversion like how much do you want to follow authority how does how does one person <laughs> set sit down and think consciously all the time about you know i want you know do i want to follow this person's authority or do i want to subvert this person's authority is it respectful to subvert this person's authority you know i don't I don't typically think about that kind of stuff. I <laughs> I just live my life, you know. <laughs> do you think the do you think the authority part do you think God would play a hand in it with the yeah, the conservative I mean, for sure. side? Yeah, for sure. Uh really I mean that's probably the big foundational aspect of it is that they you know most people on the right they do subscribe to Christianity, which is a monotheistic religion. And, you know, they do believe in one all-powerful God, and you can't question the authority of him. And so, yeah, I'd say that would probably be a, a big part of it. Uh, but then you also see that with, well, for instance, the recent 
uh, protest against police, right? So you have a lot of people who uh, are on the right who don't want, uh, they don't want you to subvert the police's authority because they care a lot about the authority of the police. And I think that's tied in pretty close together. But yeah, moving from the conservatives, uh, the conservatives are really the only major party in, in the United States that care about all six things. They're, we're only a two-party system, so you know there's, there's only one other major party, and those are the social liberals or the Democrats here in the United States. And of those six, of those six uh, principles that I talked about, they care most about care versus harm. So what do we do that doesn't, you know, what can we do to remove harm from people? Then liberty versus oppression. And then just a little bit about fairness versus cheating. And what's interesting is... Wolf. Yeah, right. And what, <laughs> what's interesting is that fairness versus cheating for the liberals is about equal to fairness versus cheating for conservatives. <laughs> it's... Like there's not really much distinction, but the difference is how they define what's fair and what's cheating. So on the right, you typically hear, you know, things like welfare queens was the big rhetoric term from Ronald Reagan in the 80s. Uh, that's carried over a little bit now. But on the left, you're more likely to hear about uh, the bailouts for the, the big banks in 2008. So, I mean, those are two completely different ideas of who's cheating the system <laughs> so it's it's weird how you can care equally about a concept and just have a completely different take on it <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's a wild ride for just anything political wise that if you care about one thing then people assume that you don't care about something else but it it's something that everyone can do. You can care about more than one thing. I guess, you know, the same thing goes along with, uh, I don't know if they're guilty or not, but like the Wayfair scandal, how, um, you know, they were stashing kids and, uh, online listings and people were buying them like the pedophile rings and all that. But, you know, and people do care about that. It's, it's awful. But like at the same time, try not to, you know, take your attention away from or stop caring about like the black lives matter movement at the same time. Right. It's, you see a lot of social media posts that, you know, while you guys are worried about black lives matter, kids lives are still in danger. And it's like, well, yeah. And we can still be worried about both because they're both issues, but don't try to discredit one because you feel more strongly about the other one. Right. And I think that, so as much as it pains me to say this, I think that's actually an issue more with <laughs> the social liberals than it is with social conservatives, if that makes sense. Because social liberals, they do care a lot more about care versus harm principles. And so they're, they're going to focus more of their time talking about things like Black Lives Matter, right? And they may ignore a few other things. I think more than anything, it's just confusing to be conservative because you may see the protests that are going on and you may see a lot of the, the Black Lives Matter uh, footage of the, the men who are being killed by police and you may actually you know, feel very strongly in your care versus harm principles and you may actually feel very strongly with your uh, 
liberty versus oppression, but at the same time, you value authority. And so you like the police, you don't want to believe that they're bad. And at the same time, you know, you have this sanctity principle and you see these conspiracies going around about, like you said, Wayfair selling kids on the internet or whatever. And that's going to trigger, you know, the sanctity principle that you got. You know, you don't mess with kids. And so it's just that I think more than anything, just to reiterate, it's confusing to be a conservative and, you know, liberals may be a little bit self-righteous, even though that makes me hurt to say. (laughs) (laughs) Shots, shots fired. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I just have a lot of sympathy. I, so I don't know. I don't know what's the best way to say this, but I have a lot of sympathy for people who we're living in an information age and a lot of the things that we see now, like the body cam footage of police shootings that I was talking about, that would have never come out in the 60s or 70s. You know, I mean, Kent State happened in what, the late 60s where the the college students were shot by the National Guard? And how long did it take for people to find out about that? Like, yeah, I mean, that was a... Wow. <laughs> so I, I feel sympathy for... I feel legitimate sympathy for the, the traditional, like, social conservative people who are seeing these things and they're questioning their worldview and the left is just kind of saying like, Oh, look at you. You know, you're a terrible person because you don't care about this when, you know, in actuality, they probably care a lot. They just, they care also about other things. They don't know what to do. (laughs) So, and I mean, a lot of us do feel helpless in in a sense that, you know, you see these horrible things happening and you, you don't know what to do about it, you know? And it, I mean, can that kind of bring us to, uh, voting i mean how important it is to vote i mean you feel like that's really the only way you can you know affect things i mean granted you could do peaceful protest and things of the like but i mean if you have you know the word tyrant gets thrown around a lot now but if you feel like a tyrant is in control or in leadership or some kind of a authoritative position i mean the only way to get them out of office you know with our country is to vote yeah and so this is gonna this is gonna sound a little bit uh counterintuitive with the definition of left and right that i just gave but the two parties that we have you know even though we have two very strong differences in moral opinion they really kind of end up voting the same and (laughs) so that adds another layer to, yeah, it's really important to vote and get these people you don't agree with out, but how these people present publicly that you may not actually agree with, you know, your moral standards might line up, that kind of gets thrown away and they vote for the same things. So <laughs> you have these two parties that are defined as being two different things, and then somehow or another they turn around and act as the same thing. So <laughs> it's... Yeah. Uh, I mean, in my personal opinion, uh, local elections and state elections are much more powerful than federal elections. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't vote in the federal election. Uh, You know, you may genuinely, you know, say this year is an election year, right? And if you 
genuinely you just do not like Donald Trump, you want to vote against Donald Trump, then by all means vote against Donald Trump. That's your decision. And same way for Joe Biden. If you just really hate Joe Biden and you want to vote against Joe Biden, I mean, who is telling you, you know, that you shouldn't vote in a federal election? Vote for whoever you want to that's not Joe Biden. But you have to kind of consider that your vote in a federal election may not really do much of anything. It's just you have to you have to consider the fact that it's more of a moral decision than it is a practical one at that point whereas state and local governments you know it's a really practical decision the people that you vote for can impact a lot of really important things in your day-to-day life so definitely i mean even if you look back when trump got first elected four years ago that he didn't win the popular vote you know the electoral college decided um yeah we need him and you know and uh the president's spot more than Clinton. Um, to me, it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I, I think I agree with you that it's more important to do voting on a local standpoint or a viewpoint or whatever. And then it is the, uh, federal election. Yeah. I mean, and there are still a lot of things that the federal government can affect. Uh, specifically you think about, well, recently with coronavirus, the stimulus checks, you know, that was a, a federal decision and that came down from Congress that didn't come from the president, but still it came from Congress and money was paid directly to everyone in the country who qualified. So that's a big deal. And, you know, that may change people's opinions going forward of, well, if a global pandemic ever happens again, then I'm going to vote for the person who gave me $1,200 versus the person who didn't want to give me anything. But, yeah. I mean, a lot of what goes on at a federal level is not that extreme. <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of crazy when you think about how hyped up the federal government is and how much power they actually have, how little they actually use that for. I mean, he's a commander-in-chief, but that's mostly the military, right? Yeah, I mean, and... Depending on who's in Congress, you know, if they really hold him to legal standards, he doesn't have that much authority over the military. Uh, it's, there was uh, some landmark legislation in the 60s that limited the number of days that a president could uh, send troops to a foreign country without a declaration of war. And so if there is a hostile Senate or you know, House of Representatives or something... They, they're the ones that declare war, and so if they don't want to declare war, then you know, they could tell the president, like, okay, cool, you have 100 days that you can send the troops out, but after that, you've got to bring them back. We're not declaring war. That doesn't typically happen, though. I, uh, I don't know the, the dates right off of hand, but I don't think we've been in an actual declared war since World War II. <laughs> and... I mean, we oh, really? yeah, we've been in a real, we've been in proxy wars. I think actually, I may be wrong. I think it's Korea. I think it's Korea, and Korea never ended, so we just never declared another war. <laughs> but wow, I mean, I didn't know about that. Yeah, and Congress has the power to check the president on that. They at any time could really say like, okay, there's no declaration of war. You can pull, you know, you have to pull the people out, and. They don't. I mean, 
most of the time they're protecting their own interests too. So they're not going to say, uh, uh, recently in the Middle East, right, there have been a lot of high profile terror groups like ISIS. You know, it's, it's pretty much political suicide if you're a senator to say like, okay, I'm going to check the president's power and tell him he has to pull out all our troops that are on the ground fighting ISIS. You know, it's going to, I can just yeah. hear the attack ads, you know, such and such senator is pro ISIS. That's <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got way off track, but um, with, we were talking about conservatives and liberals and all that. Um, what about the other buzzwords like libertarian? Um, I know that's another major one. Um, independent. Can you explain what those are? So yeah, I'll start with libertarian. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, uh, I just described before the difference between left and right in terms of like social policy. Uh, there's another, another thing to consider though, and that's econ- economic policy. So when you think about left on economic policy, you think of we want more control over big business. And when you think of right on economic policy, you think we want less control over big business. Big business is what drives our economy. So why would you want to regulate that? And that those ideas, the social versus economic, they really form like a grid. So there are four corners of a grid where these imagine two sliding scales overlap or interact and what are traditionally libertarians are people who want less government control in day-to-day life so the social aspect and less day-to-day control over the economic aspect as, as well so they're all for decreasing regulation on business and also all for uh, decreasing regulation in everyday life. So these people, you know, they, they kind of, they fit into their own little, little uh, area and their own niche in the, <laughs> in the spectrum, but they really throw our, our two party system off way off. <laughs> they, you know, on business, they may side a lot with conservative Republicans, which is why you see Senator Rand Paul is probably the most libertarian Senator that we have. And, in terms of where he stands socially, he's not libertarian at all. He's pretty pro-authoritarian in social social policy, but he's very libertarian in economic policy. So it's libertarian is its own little world. And basically you think of the don't tread on me type of type of uh, attitude where, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pro gun. Uh, a lot of people are, pro legalization of marijuana a lot you know most people are pro gay marriage because why would you care if you're a libertarian if the government's telling you you know <laughs> i mean if they're telling you you can't marry somebody you're probably going to riot because you don't want the government in your <laughs> social life so you're treading <laughs> you be <laughs> treading <laughs> right so they they're i mean they're kind of the oddball but a lot of people are becoming libertarian they're becoming more and more libertarian recently uh i think there's a kind of buzzworthy uh third party candidate what joe joe jorgensen i think the libertarian party who's picking up steam in this election so i mean they may be someone to watch in the future (laughs) uh 
And then you mentioned another buzzword, independent, and independent is yeah. even less defined. <laughs> they, they're kind of, <laughs> yeah, they're kind of someone who just, they don't like either of the main parties and they may not feel comfortable registering for a third party because if it's like, you know, here in the state where we're at, you know, if you register for a third party, you can't vote in the primary for either of the two main parties. And so you don't really get a say in what happens, you know, who the candidates are for the general election. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people don't like that. I think it's the same way with independent here, but I mean, a lot of states, you know, if you're independent, you can vote for whichever party you're interested in, in the primary. And so that may be the appeal instead of registering third party uh big name independent senator is bernie sanders senator from vermont and that surprises a lot of people a lot of people think he's a democrat that he's an independent (laughs) it's mostly that you know he votes with the democrats and he he agrees a lot with what the democratic party has to say but you know there are certain things that he disagrees on the biggest one being gun rights you know he's from the the state of Vermont, which is one of the states with the highest rates of gun ownership. And so the Democrats are kind of standing up more for uh, uh, gun control legislation, and that's not very popular in Vermont. And Bernie Sanders is going to stand for his people in Vermont. And even though he's, you know, in everything but name, he's a Democrat, he's going to break with the Democrats on that and vote independently. So... You have a lot of factors that come into play. I mean, really, if a if a person, to me, if a person is honest with themselves, independent is where everybody should kind of be anyway. Because I mean, I, I know I know people personally that are, you know, they're hard right or alt right, maybe not alt right, but you know, they're they're on the right side of the spectrum, and they they like a lot of the things that Trump does. But then you know, you bring up, well, what about this? You know, he did this, and it's like, well, I don't like that. It's like, well, then you're not necessarily a hardcore Republican or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, I get in the same boat, too. Uh, I mean, most of what... The big things for me really are uh, environmental policy and then a lot of, uh, a lot of like civil rights legislation and things like that. And you know, that's what I pay most attention to. And if you pay attention to that, then, I mean, in the United States, you have to vote for the Democrats because they're the only ones that are even talking about it. But, you know, in actuality, they're not doing anything with it. And so I don't agree with a lot of their stance on anything. I just, I get suckered into voting for them because if I don't register, then I can't vote in the primary. I can't decide who the candidate is, and I'm probably going to vote Democratic anyway. So, I mean, my voice isn't heard in deciding who the (laughs) the candidate is. That's kind of a you know, you kind of get cheated. Okay, so we've discussed conservative, we've discussed liberal, um, independent, um, libertarian. Um, do you think there's any other ones that kind of stand out? There are, there are other uh, minor third parties. The only one that's really gained any traction recently is the Green Party. And think of the Green Party as an even further left uh, Democratic Party, and especially in social, social and maybe kind of in economic policy. They don't talk a whole lot about economic policy, so it's kind of hard to know where they stand. 
every now and then they throw in a few big name candidates. Uh, Ralph Nader was one, if you remember that, uh, from 2000, I think. And then, uh, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Dr. Jill Stein, Dr. Jill Stein during 2016, who got famous for demanding a recount in Michigan and narrowing the popular vote margins. So, but that was really her her only significant contribution. So, <laughs> but no, yeah. there are a ton of third party, uh, third part, third parties and minor party candidates, but none of them really gain any traction here. And they just kind of land somewhere on the spectrum between hard right and hard left. Right. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how similar most of them are to one another. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, there are sectors of the spectrum that aren't represented in the two main parties. And instead of grouping together in one major party, then, you know, they, they form all these little splinter groups that represent their specific interests more so than joining together to start a, uh, their own separate party. I'm thinking specifically of uh, the American Socialist Party, which they're not as far left as most other socialist parties around the, uh, around the world are they align themselves pretty close with the Greens, the Green Party. And so why they haven't joined together and, you know, formed some other slightly, you know, slightly bigger third party with an actual chance, you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, how do our um, political beliefs kind of line up with other countries around the world? You know, we have conservative and liberal. Like, how does that look? compared to like, you know, the UK or anywhere in Europe or wherever. Yeah, well, I'm going to throw another buzzword at you. Uh, you hear a lot progressive, progressive candidates, specifically here in the United States with uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, you know, they're labeled with the term progressive. And every other major uh, Democratic candidate is labeled as liberal. Well, in other countries, liberal is more closely aligned with the libertarians here. So when you hear, for instance, uh, people in the UK or Australia talk about the liberals, you know, those are the libertarians and they vote. I mean, they vote pretty consistently with conservatives on a lot of business issues and with what the, uh, the members of UK Parliament and Australia Parliament called progressives vote with on social issues. So when you think of progressive in other countries, you think of what we would call liberal here. And what you what you think of in other countries when you hear liberal is what you would call libertarian here. So it's a weird definition mix up. I don't I don't quite know the history of how that happened. I think liberal probably has closer ties to the word libertarian just because of the uh, the way that the spectrum is set up and then over time yeah. we shifted but I mean it might just be out of defiance <laughs> I mean you know from the from the UK or Europe or whatever because it's you know look you look at words that are like the word color is C-O-L-O-R in the United States but over there they throw an extra U in there and it's like you know what I'm just going to do it different <laughs> Well, you know, 
not to get off track, but a lot of that stuff is actually because it costs so much to print things in newspapers. So in the United States, <laughs> yeah, we had a big uh, we had a big news printing agency that took off a lot quicker than it did in Europe for some reason. And so they used to charge per letter for printing presses. And so letters that we thought were unnecessary, we just dropped them out. So color, like you were talking about, we just got rid of the U. I mean, what's it really do? What about pterodactyl? Pterodactyl, <laughs> uh, you're getting into weird territory, man. I don't... Uh, something in Latin, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, um, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, next time, we're going to have a guest with us, maybe. And uh, we'll try to educate some idiots more. I'm Mark. And I'm Bo. And thanks for joining us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.